Welcome. I'm Therese Padegian, host and founder of Soulful Practices in Business. In this podcast, we have conversations that are created in the moment about managing business and practice life for soulful, intuitive practitioners. Everyone, welcome again to our Soul Sister session. Ooh, uh, today we are going <laughs> to, how funny, I'm like, let's talk about play and here are these two going, <laughs> Let's talk about play. I think it's interesting because I think we get play smashed out of us in one way or another, whether it be going through school or whether we like go into adulthood. So, and one of the things I love is when we are together, we just play. So, yeah, can I actually, this is what I want to start with. The question is, is it the idea that play kind of, even as we get into adulthood, it kind of like, gets taken out of us or is it the idea of kind of yeah let's start with that I'm just a bit still traumatized by school so I don't know if it's that I think Mm. I think to me the idea of play it's not so much that it gets taken away is that it it made it's made because it becomes or it's may become uh something private something to hide, something to do in your own time, in your privacy, in the privacy of your own space. You don't play outside and you don't let people see you play. You like, you're allowed to play with your kids at home. You're allowed to play with your pets at home. You're allowed to play in your bedroom in the privacy of your home, but you're not allowed to play outside because it's not serious. It's not professional. Oh, it's not, oh, wow, Anna. I like that. You know what? I but, like what you're saying. True. Because if I dance around at home and someone comes and knocks on my door, they're going to think I'm like, what's this weird chick doing? And I'm like, I'm just playing. Just put some music on and going, yeah, rocking it out. That's actually true. Hmm. I mean, so, I there is a little bit of I mean, I think there is, that's, that's part of what you're saying is, is yeah. exactly that, is that we are told that play is wrong. So like we're told you need to grow up, this and that, and then you're allowed to, but just in relationship to something that is where you're not being an adult. And then if you can show, if you can not be an adult, then it's okay to play, but it's not okay to play as an adult, unless it's sexual games then you're allowed to play. But that's not playing, that's sexual games. Or it's like video games or like there's, you know, it's like, it's a different thing. It's, it, it, there's this kind of like break where we're allowed to make a difference between adult games and children's games. And then we, we cannot play, we cannot just play and like choose what we wanna play. When you're a kid, you just play and you play this game, that game, whatever game. When you're an adult, you're only allowed to play adult games or you're allowed to play with kids. You're not allowed to cool. play as a child. So aren't, aren't we supposed to allow ourselves to be an adult and always be a child? Because I'm wondering if this is a generational plague that you guys are experiencing, Anna, because it sounds so compartmentalized. Whereas... I think I, I look back in my life and go, even in the sucky times, even as a little child, I'd play. 
roll the sticks, uh, throw the ball against the wall, run up and down, find a bike, uh, walk the edge of the sidewalk, um, do hopscotch with, but that constant movement of self playing and entertaining self, um, that act of play continues now into my 60s. And the pressure of supposed to, supposed to, supposed to, boy, I'm hearing your generation. Yeah, it is. It is the video game you're allowed to play. You're allowed to do all those forms. Um, I'd like to take it back and, and hope, and Therese, you said it too. Our, our play is taken away. It's, it's thieved from us. That kind of saddens me. Um, and I'm curious as to how do we keep ignited in ourselves because when we're together, oh my goodness, we're ridiculous. We're having a blast. And keep that in nourishing ourselves on a daily moment. Um, That's, I think that part of why it works with us is precisely that, is that one, Katina, you've never stopped being a child. And it's in, <laughs> in the way you relate to the universe and the way you relate to God, you've always been, and you've always been God's child. No matter how old you were, you've always, you've always been a kid. And that's you because I think of people your age that I can see what Therese and I are talking about. I can see that even more clear in people your generation than in people my generation. So I think that you have a, like you have this point of view that's not so, um, it's a little bit biased because you have always been a kid. And then Therese is also an eternal kid. I mean, it's this thing where she can get you to do anything. She can get you to like climb up a tree. She can get you to like anything random that, that you, can, um, you can think of. You know who, um, we have two dear friends who are exactly like that as well. And it's Sonu and Tara and Ed, like those three people, Sonu, Tara and Ed Hicks. They, the three of them are the same. You know, they have, they have that kind of like playful energy where they just play. And it's fun. And I think that's the challenge is precisely how, to, how do you do it? Or what is it that allows for you to carry on that child energy, that child innocence, so, fun essence? This is interesting because, yes, I am an eternal child. I am, I am a child. And then I think I don't do adulting well because it's like, man, I have to be serious or I have to be, you know, make serious decisions and um and it's all just all in your mind right and so it's like there's all this resistance that comes up where it's like well you know that shouldn't be that way or that should be this way and it's funny because as you're saying it I'm like man I've got I've got like an emotional block to being an adult um and at the same time not being aware that I've got an emotional adult to being an adult but like emotionally I'm very stagnated when it comes to and maybe it's adult conversations because it's easier to hide as a child. Now, I know this is probably going, the conversation's going maybe in a different way, but as you're saying that, the idea of play and where you play, it's like for me it's my safe space because play is just like you don't have to think of all this other stuff and there may be consequences. Like it's actually really interesting. My head's going in a different direction right now. Well, but um, I'm stagnant. <laughs> Taking it back to what Katina was saying, and, is, and it's also taking it back to, I think it was our first uh, session. Uh, it's the whole, why the three of us together, 
why can we play it? Because we do silly, ridiculous things. We sing in the middle of places. We like, it's just like, we don't care. And it's all about, and you just said it, Trish, it's all about safety. Yeah, okay. Playing is showing the most vulnerable part of you, is being a child. And the child is the part that we tend to protect and overprotect, that part of ourselves that we try to, right? So we need to feel super safe in order to just allow ourselves to play and not be afraid that we're going to be judged or not be afraid that we're going to be punished for playing where we shouldn't be playing or not be afraid of all of those things and just putting yourself out there and just being a child and forgetting everything else, which is what at the end of the day play is. It's just enjoy, the purely enjoy the moment and whatever it is that you have around you, whoever it is that you have around you, right? And I think that's, um, Katina, you were saying, what is it that with the three of us are like, how can we encourage this? And it's just that part of just when you feel safe, you can play. So what makes you feel safe? And it's, again, it's the same thing for you, Therese. Stagnant emotion. Why? Because you don't feel safe to feel those emotions. Yeah. So what makes you feel safe that will allow you to be able to be present in the present time and just enjoy? I think it also, for you, T, has a big root. Okay, you came out of a war-torn country. Imagine being a little child, you want to play and sing and dance, and all of a sudden bombs are flying over your head and uh, sounds of airplanes. You're told instantly, hush, quiet. Okay, yeah. the guilt that that child will feel when it's playing, and what if it made the noise, and what if that caused the bomb to fall on my neighbors? Because a child's imagination is so powerful that when it is stopped from playing, um, and something bad happens, two parents start fighting, uh, uh, airplanes flying over their head, and bombs dropping over there. That your cells have experienced that, Therese, mm -hmm. and because of that, there's that. I'll call it a pitfall, but it is. It's a. It's a. It's a groove in your cells that knows how to like. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm not doing it right. Uh oh. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna screw it up. Uh oh. And. I'm thinking about how many millions of people are experiencing that same depth of um, pain, pain. Because what's interesting about that whole limbic brain in our brain, which is pleasure and pain, they're right next to each other. So it's so easy to real to kind of short circuit one with the other. And especially when it's been whacked hard as a child. Um, and it's also, a, sorry, yes. no, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was, I was gonna say, it's also, it's also forgetting how to play. It's um, whether you're not allowed to, for whatever reasons, you can, because it's not safe, because you have this um, self-preservance, uh, preserv I don't know how to say it, like- Preservation, yeah. Preservation, exactly, thank you. Uh, that self-preservation instinct that tells you I cannot play because play, it's, it's not safe here, so I cannot play, but it's also, I, I forget how to play. So for instance, to Katina, it, it's, it was beautiful when Katina was playing, was talking about how she played when she was a kid, all the things that she mentioned, it was like the hula hoop, it was the, 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 the sticks, it was the jumping rope, it was, it's all these things where 
if I think of what I was given to play with when I was a kid, I mean, it, it started, yes, it was the one little thing, whatever, but then it starts getting into games and box like box games, say table games, rule games, um, video rule games. games. And then you start being told what it is to play. And it's that whole idea of how cool is it when you give a kid a birthday present and they toss the present away and they just play with the box, right? Like how cool <laughs> is that? Because that's playing, that's saying, screw this. I don't know what this is. What, what do you want me to do with this? This, you want me to do something with this. You're expecting me to do something with this. I don't want to do what you're expecting me to do. I want to play. I want to create. I want to, right? So I think the combination of those two is, it's the wow. same as, I mean, I don't know. For, the, sorry, that's really interesting because, so I had a Nintendo, I don't know, Nintendo station. Like I used to play Mario and Luigi, right? And, and you'd play, you'd go through period, well, you'd play and you'd go through periods where you're giving your like undivided attention, you know, wanting to win the game. And then I remember when we had like a computer, the first computer and I was in primary school and there was this spaceship game and I'd forever be on there playing this spaceship game. And it's interesting because um, I'm like, yeah, like if you would have given me like a jump rope or you would have given me the computer game, I'd be like, who wants to do the jump rope? I want to do the computer game. And... <laughs> The other interesting thing is, so the other was having an instrument. So I would play an instrument, right? So it's interesting where you go, what tools did you have? And if you really think about it was, were any of them actual, like the Nintendo set or an instrument, is that actual play or is that, um, is that something else? I don't know. Training. Sorry. Production-based. Training. It's a training. Training. Mm -hmm. training. training. Producing. You have to produce. You have to produce. You you learn more. You get better at it. It's a production. You move your way up through the scale. Mm. And I guess even jump roping is too. It's just more for the body. Your playing was more for the brain. Mm. Um, you know, like even when you're jump roping, you go, you make so, up songs, high, low, medium, wavy. What, what is play then? Like seriously. If we, if Katina, if jump rope is, if everything that we just said, well, not if what we, what we just said, jump ropes, production, playing an instrument is production, is the idea of play where you find the fun within what you're doing, or is the idea of play creating? What is actual yes. play? Yes. Both of those. Oh. Both of those. Yeah. Play takes you in. You get curious with it. It, it engages you. It's, um. It's, it's kind of loving, kind, and special, and it nurtures the creativity, and it stimulates your body, mind, and spirit, and it's play is uh, necessary. So this is play right yeah. here, right now, what we're doing. Okay, so I have to, you know that I, guys, I go back to words, right? So I have oh, to, like, oh, when, you when you're asking me, okay. I need to go back to the word. And As so you, if I'm, if uh, I'm really, sorry. Now I was going to say, something like, are you the, still looking for it or you found it? No, no, I found it. So it's okay. like, it says like the definitions for, for play, it's to engage in an activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. 
there's always a purpose. So that's the difference. So that's the difference. I think that, but, <laughs> but the funny thing, the interesting thing is that when we think about this, this definition and it's what Katina was suggest, like she was implying yeah. in, in what she was saying before is that in any kind of play, there is a purpose for our evolution. We, like from nature, there's no random act or like that you can engage with. Like there's always a purpose. So when you're jumping rope, you're learning to do something. When you're crawling, you're learning to do something. When you're climbing a tree, you're learning to do something. You're having fun while learning to do something. The interesting thing is that socially, what's considered play is something that there's no um, obvious outcome, production outcome. So that's because it's not serious, right? So there's no actual anything that you can produce from that activity beyond enjoying yourself. The thing is that when you're enjoying yourself, you're evolving, you're growing. Same thing when you're on the table on an adjustment, right? I mean, you're on the table, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything serious. And yet you're evolving, you're connecting to yourself, you're enjoying reconnecting to yourself in different ways. Sometimes it's more pleasant, sometimes it's less pleasant, but you are enjoying reconnecting to yourself. And that's a kind of, there is, so if you think of it as what would be the outcome, that's where people would be and tell you, oh, the, what I'm looking for is a serious outcome. I have pain. I want to get rid of that pain. I have something broken. I want to get that fixed. When you think about it in a bigger play, in a bigger play, <laughs> it's, um, it's what do you want to get out of it? You just want to enjoy and experience and then fulfill that higher purpose of that, what you're doing, which is enjoy yourself, connect to yourself, grow, evolve. Okay. So what came to mind is you're sharing that. Does it make in, sense? Yeah, it does. And say if I play soccer or I play basketball or I play, I don't know, tennis or netball or whatever, any sport. And it's the idea of it's fun, but then it's like the outcome is someone's got to win and someone's got to lose. The outcome is not directly tied. It's directly tied to the person and the individual person who's got an, a, uh, a vision of what's to happen. Uh, sometimes you go out and you're just going to play and whack the ball around. Sometimes when you're playing in a sport, oh yeah, we're going to play and we're going to play hard and we gear ourselves up and we're going to, we're going to play heart and soul and we're going to, and we're going to win. Come on, we can win this. We can win this. And you more encourage each other and that becomes play. It reminds me of how we build momentum and how we move energy together. That's why um, running down a field or a bunch of geese flying across together and they're honking and honking. There's a, that movement of play versus purpose mm. um, re-nourishes ourselves versus expends energy. You know, um, I believe. Well, it's, also, it's also when you're thinking about the purpose of what's the purpose of you playing soccer? Is the purpose, is it your, like, is the purpose to have fun with a whole bunch of kids or is the purpose to get somewhere, be a part of a league, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's when it becomes a professional sport. 
right? It stops being a game and it becomes a professional activity. No, so you keep it in play. It, when it's fun, okay, you can just keep growing and growing and growing. Once it becomes serious, your, your head takes off too much and you're not, you lose your fluidity and you lose your playfulness. Um, the more we allow ourselves to play, I believe the, the professional, I can only speak for my, like even the professional guys, they're playing, they're talented, but they're playing, they're in movement, they're in joy, they're in flow, they're in peace. Um, I think when people have a purpose, they get uptight and the cerebral cortex takes over and it actually limits them. Whereas when we kind of go with our limbic joy brain and we you're kind of goofy yet strong, um, then cerebral cortex can kick out and give you plays and strategies. And you see, oh, Peter, come up on the left. Joe, hurry up, he's on your right. And you become an encouraging, playful energy mover. Um, it's, it's um, yeah, there's some, it's so more fun. I just, okay, so here's the thing. So as a kid, if I went to someone's house to play, it wasn't like what we would play. It was the idea of just kind of communing with someone to see what we could create, right? Mm. But it's the idea of we're coming together to see what are we going to create. And I think it's so much more fun when you, for me, it's like coming together with people or like someone's going to come to my house. It's like, oh, let's see what we're going to create, you know? Um, that yes. for me is, is kind of like play. The other thing I do want to say before it actually <laughs> my mind is this idea oh, of, um, Anna, you were saying before that the idea of if you don't, um, it's kind of like if you don't do it, it stops. So, uh, you know, so it's, it's this idea of if you don't use it, you lose it, right? And I think one of the things in nature is I'm reading this beautiful book called Braided Sweetgrass by Robin Wall. I think her name's Robin Wall. Um, and it's this idea where they did this study on sweetgrass, which is like this long grass that they use in the Native American culture where they uh, pick to actually make baskets with. And the thing with sweetgrass is, is when you walk in, first you actually have to ask the grass if, can I pick you? And then if it says yes, so first there's a totally different um, understanding of the nature. If it says yes, then you need to give the land a gift in return. So you need to reciprocate it with, uh, so they may lay down some tobacco or they may gift it in, in, in something else, right? So then they'll pick the sweet grass. Now, the thing with uh, the study that they did was what they realised was this grass was in some areas it was thriving and in other areas it wasn't. And they were wanting to know why isn't it growing in these other areas? So they did this two-year study and what they found was when they harvested it, so if they did pick it, it gave opportunity for new ones to grow. And so there are people who think if you do harvest things, it's actually bad for, you know, the environment, it's this and it's that. And what this study showed was, wow, no, you actually got to keep harvesting it so more can actually generate. And, and it was just like, wow, it's kind of like, if I say it's kind of like play, but I don't know, I, there's a parallel in that if you don't use it you're gonna lose it so if you don't pick the grass mm -hmm. you're gonna lose it right and if we don't play um you know we're, we're gonna lose it in one way or another and that's i just i just wanted to share that that's like it's um yes. for me for instance i realized um in the last i want to say 
maybe 10, 15 years. I remember when I was, when I was like a teenager, I would watch a movie or like a young adult. I was, I would watch a movie and a movie would be like, what, two hours, around two hours. That's how long they would be. And I would just sit through a movie. No problem. My attention, I was enjoying it. I was engaged with it. It was cool, right? If it was a good movie. So what happens is then we are, the world changes and our habits are changed, right? So we are told that we need to do different things differently because we need to produce more. We need to consume more, right? So now instead of consuming in two hours, instead of consuming one movie, we are consuming four episodes of one series or two series or whatever it is. So it allows for us to consume more in the same amount of time. So we become more efficient and it's cheaper to do four episodes of a series than to do a two hour movie, right? So it's all like this whole kind of like evolution thing. Mm. But what happens is that because our habits change and now I'm watching four series, like four se uh, episodes of a series now, my ability or my capacity to stay focused and engage with something for two hours has all of a sudden dropped and I cannot do it anymore. I can stay engaged for 20 minutes, for 30 minutes, for 40 minutes maximum, but I cannot stay engaged for two hours because I lose the ability just because I'm not doing it and I'm being retrained to do things differently. All right. So it's the same thing for me with play. Sorry, I haven't had a wow. TV set for over 20 years and I haven't watched movies in such a long time. It is so hard for me to, to sit down and I'm like, I, I, I actually cannot, like, I'm like, I cannot do this. It's actually way too much for me. I'd rather just sit in silence because I'm like, I can't do it, man. Unless I'm on a plane, that's be a totally different story. On it, being on a plane, I, for some reason, watch movies and I get mm -hmm. so emotional. I'm either laughing really loud or crying and I'm like, something happens up there in that altitude. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck in the seat. I'm the same way. I'll see a movie maybe once a week because I want to sit with my family. Yeah. But I, I, the, t the, TV, the TV agitates me. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, shh. So I'm always outside. Or in, yeah. or in silence or some music. We don't watch movies or series together. No. There's one documentary no, we, we watched, Katina, because Kevin was watching it, but we actually don't. When we're together, no way. We're out adventuring somewhere. Yeah. Something. We're uh, yeah, we're, we're playing. playing. Oh, what do you want to play with? Let's have the Armenian village know that we're here and we'll set up in the parking lot. Oh, it happens to be two o'clock in the morning and the taxis are still dropping people off. This is, we've gone from fun to, I think we're tired and we need to go to bed. Okay, let's just walk. <laughs> let's just trek halfway through Spain. Why not? Well, I remember, yes. I, remember um, I think the first time, I think the first time I heard this was John Martini. I heard him say, it was like, what is uh, weed? Like he was talking about smoking, smoking weed. Okay. And at that point he was saying, he was talking about um, youth. So it came up on a situation where there was somebody that was only doing weed all day long. There was nothing else in their life than that. And he was saying, um, what is weed? It's something to do. It's just a way to keep you busy while you don't know what to do or why you you're not doing anything else. And it's not always the case, but in the majority of cases, when 
it is a problem when it is a problem, right? That's what I'm talking. Like there's, there can be people who can enjoy it occasionally and, and that's a completely different uh, situation, okay? It's the same thing with wine or whatever, but when it becomes a problem. So there's all these things that numb you down, that just keep you busy. So smoking weed, getting drunk, uh, watching telly, they just keep you busy. Why would you do those things when you're actually enjoying the present time, you're doing the everyday, you're playing, you're, you're just mm -hmm. growing and sharing. So, Anna, this is interesting. So, okay, weed, drinking, television, I don't know, smoking. What about reading a book? Is that keeping you in present time? So for me, if I'm not, I can't watch a TV or a movie, I'd be like, I'd rather just sit here I actually, I'm in a stage where I can meditate if I really wanted to, or I could, if I had a book or I could do some cross-stitching, some needlework, what is, are they, this is interesting, because is that equivalent of just something to do? Uh, it, to me, to me, yeah. there's a difference. So it really depends on what is it that you're doing, like, like if you're cross-stitching, that's a complete different thing. That to me is meditation. Okay, it's present right. time being present in an action, same as it is to be painting or to be cooking. If you're actually present with what you're doing, that's a form of meditation. Meditation. That's freaking mindfulness. So that's you're just putting all of your attention. If you're mm -hmm. present, smoking so, or smoking or having alcohol. Okay, that's the dip. That's what I was saying. That's the different thing. That's what I said. There's people who may at specific moments oh, actually take the time to break through from other situations and through that one experience, that one thing, actually reconnect with something of their own that they enjoy. So a glass of wine brings you a specific nutrients and a specific oxygenation and relaxation of whatever, I can't remember what exactly what it is, but your something in your brain lowers, so your inhibitions lower, so you relax and then you oxygenate your brain differently. I, it's not exactly like that, but it's something along those lines. So if you're doing that and you're actually present with doing that and enjoying it, that's your, you're present, you're mindful of what you're doing, you're actually making the most out of it. If you're just pounding down beers at the bar for no reason and just waiting to get hammered so that you don't think, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if, it's, if you're having fun with your friends and you wanna do it, whatever, but if this is what you have to do in order to have fun, that's a different thing. If you need it, yeah, okay. if you cannot enjoy it and you need it, then that's when we have a problem. When you can actually be my um, my yoga uh, the uh, the master at the my yoga teacher training when the, the one that I was doing. I remember the one of the things he was. I used to smoke at the time, and one of the things that he would tell us the smokers was, "Okay, if you really want to quit smoking, because a lot of people would ask, how do I do a master? I want to quit smoking. I can't smoke. Like how?" And he would say. So if you really want to quit smoking, if you really, really, really want to quit smoking, all you have to do is smoke a cigarette in full presence. Nothing else. You're not watching the moon. You're not enjoying being outside in silence. You're not doing anything. You're just freaking present with what it is that you're doing in the movement of taking the cigarette to your mouth, taking it in, how it tastes in your mouth, 
What is it doing when, you're, when it's going down your throat? How is it feeling in your lungs? How is it affecting your lungs? Once you do that and you realize that there's nothing good in there, but actually everything is very disgusting in there, you're not gonna wanna smoke a cigarette ever again because there's the, the reason why you're smoking a cigarette and you're enjoying the cigarette is because it's helping you to stop your brain or it's creating a social interaction with somebody, but it's always something around smoking the cigarette. The cigarette itself does not bring you pleasure. That's what I was saying. If you drink a glass of wine and you're actually enjoying the glass of wine and that's all you're doing, you're palating it, you're enjoying how it feels, you're, you know, that's a different thing. Same with the joint. I mean, honestly, same with the joint. If you're enjoying feeling how the joint uh, stops your inhibitions or stops, slows down your brain or how it helps you breathe differently because when you're puffing in, you have, then you can enjoy, you can be present, you know the effects and you're actually enjoying being present with that. Because, same thing with tobacco, if you ask, if you go to pure tobacco, it's a complete different experience than a cigarette. That a, you know? So, this is interesting. I'm so, actually gonna, mm. yeah, go Anna, sorry, finish it up. No, 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 go ahead. Okay. So I'm gonna title this particular one is how to stop smoking. <laughs> And so this is interesting <laughs> because so yeah. I, I like I'm I have never smoked a cigarette, I've never been drunk, haven't taken drugs, blah blah blah. Now, when you give me a real Cuban cigar, like a real cigar, and the taste of it, it's so floral and the tobacco, I go, now I can actually appreciate this but I don't need it. And I'm very fussy. I'm like, ooh, where's that cigar from? I'm like, it's not Cuban. I'm really, like, I need to smell it. And I only can have like, it's not like the whole thing. It's just like, ooh, ooh, that was, that was beautiful. Notice, <laughs> notice what, what you were saying is exactly what I was going. It's like, it's a different mm. experience with real tobacco. And one thing that you're doing, and it's very different from a cigar to a cigarette and you've never smoked a cigarette, therefore you would never know. Is yeah. You don't, uh, you don't breathe in. You don't take in the, the, the smoke mm. with a cigar. You just no. palate it in your mouth. It's a complete different experience because you're not polluting your lungs. Can I say, I have once when I first did it, I didn't know how to do it. And I'm like, and I'm like, wow, the floral flavors are amazing. I'm like, this is what it's like. I'm like, no wonder people at, at that stage, I'm like, is this what smoking a cigarette feels like, right? But then, yeah, no, it's just um, I'm I'm really admiring and enjoying the different flavors in a tobacco and how the different tobaccos are coming together. Like that's actual art form to pick different tobaccos and bring it together. I'm just I just think it's amazing. So here's the thing: Are you not playing when you're smoking that cigar? I don't know. I'm loving so could be what is that because why what are you doing why are you smoking that cigar if it's not for recreation and enjoyment hmm. so is it is it an adult form or an elaborated form of a different kind of play which involves a different well, the, the first thing is, for some reason, I'm attracted to it in the sense that I'm not attracted to many things, right? So if it's it's drawing me in, 
So I'm kind of like maybe overthinking this and if I am just tell me, but it's like, wow. And it's really appreciating. I think it's really appreciating the tobacco leaves and the floralness of it. Um, and then I do love food, but my palate is very, um, it's like, yeah, food's very, and how I analyze things with, well, how I analyze things with taste is a, is a totally different ball game for me as well. So I don't, Anna, that's an interesting question. I don't, you may know how to respond that better for me than I can do it for myself, but. I don't know. I think it's just something to think about. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. There you go. On that note. Katina, you've been quiet there while we've been talking about cigars. Oh, I'm just listening to um, (laughs) the experiences and how we play with our experiences and being present with whatever experience is going on, I believe is the most powerful thing we do, whether it's meditating, smoking a cigar, uh, washing the toilet. Matter of fact, that was one of my greatest lessons. I remember years ago when I was working in Chicago, I had um, one of my older ladies literally, um, what did she do? She literally said, I was complaining about having to wash toilets and, you know, family and nobody does anything. And she said to me, Dr. Manning, you know, I have a large family and I wash a lot of toilets. But you know what I think about? I think about the next one who might come sit on that toilet. It might be Jesus. And when she said that, it was the most humbling experience ever. I'm like, okay. I will be present with washing my toilet because you never know who the next person sitting there is. Right? And, you know, so. I, it's, it's funny. Sorry. Just, I just want to get this came to mind. I want to say this story. I was like, I went to this church once and then they're like, you always have to dress well. And then the thing was, imagine if you were going to meet Jesus today. And I'm like, Okay, so I have to dress my best. <laughs> and yes. it's funny because it's like it, when someone does say that, you kind of go, oh, okay. Now Ooh. I'd be like, oh, if you're going to meet the president today, dress as you. And I'm thinking, Deva, why don't I just dress because I'm actually feeling really great and I don't care who I meet. I don't care if I meet a possum or a rabbit or a brush turkey. But, you know, they're going to dance. Yes. I'm going to look good. And you know what? It doesn't matter what I wear. I'm going to look good anyway because it's all about yes. feeling from the inside. Yes. But that's, that's the thing. Like, so remember, um, I, I, I know I'm always going back to this, but it's, that's just because to me it's such a precious experience and it's so wonderful. And it's like what Katina was saying about how we – relate to our our experiences and how we play with our experiences and how we play them in our minds but it's um when we met uh the bishop in in armenia when we met the bishop at shmirzin and the funny thing is that of course you had a previous relationship with him and that's a whole different ball game whatever but even having a previous relationship with him and knowing him before he was a bishop when he was a father the way you relate to him that lack of hierarchy that was there and how it could have been understood highly disrespectful for many people. But it's, and even Katina and I were like, I I, I clearly remember saying to Riz, we don't hit the bishop. 
I clearly remember saying I would have I never thought I could have said such words. Therese, we don't no, Therese, stop hitting the bishop. That was the sentence. Therese, stop hitting the bishop. I mean, and it's not like you were beating the shit out of him, excuse my language. You were just like boom, slapping him, boom, like the, this thing. So you were being playful because you were enjoying your relationship with him. You were being mm. honest from your heart. You were being childlike. Therefore, there's no way he could have been offended because if you are in yeah. your essence and in the presence of pure honesty and innocence, you're not going to be offended. So it's the same thing when you're saying, if you were to be wearing joggings and whatever on your, like a towel on your hair when you met Jesus, but you were being honest and pure and respectful and funny and respectful not as in, oh yes, my Lord, but respectful as in, oh, there's a human being in front of me who's loving and I'm loving, be respectful in that manner. Doesn't matter what you're wearing. It doesn't matter if you're hitting him. <laughs> do, do, so, do you know, it's actually really interesting. You say that like, how much fun was it when we sat at the border of Azerbaijan and Armenia and the car's getting filled up with petrol, we're having coffee and him and I are on Facebook and we're like, dun, 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 and like, oh, we should have a ball. Oh, we should do this. And we should invite all these people. So the cool thing was, it's, 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 it's like you could just be in the present moment. And he's really cool in that it wasn't like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like it was like our conversations had nothing to do with that at all. Like it was just so much fun. But, um, yeah, stop hitting the Jesus. You guys would pull me up. Like you guys would give me dirty <laughs> looks, I tell you. And I'm thinking, oh, man, and I felt so bad. I felt so bad. But I'm like... I don't know, like I'm having so much fun. <laughs> but the funny, the funny thing though, is that there's nothing wrong in that, yeah. in that context, in that situation, there was nothing wrong. It was just that Katina and I have been trained in a hierarchical, hierarchical uh, church system, yeah. which does not apply for you. So for us, that's something that it's not, we were not judging, sure. we were not judging no Therese clue. for doing it. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we were not judging you for doing it. We were just judging the act. You don't do that. And that's why we were kind of like shocked, but we were never judging you. But that's the really cool thing. And that's the, the interesting thing for me about play is that the, I think um, the reason why play is being judged uh, from adulthood as something negative is because it's being understood as disrespectful as not serious. Therefore, if it's not serious, mm. it's not respectful. So remember, Therese, when you and I, the first time in our first time in Armenia, we went to the church and um, you wanted to take that picture of me and you wanted me praying in the uh, water. Um, yeah, with the thing. The, uh, what do you call that? The, the holy water pile. All the candles, yeah. With the candles and all those. And you were just like, go back and do this and do that. And I felt like a part of me would... I just did it because it was fun because you were like a child. It was like entertaining a kid who's asking you to draw a kitten or to draw a horse, right? <laughs> and you don't care that you're drawing the worst horse in the planet and it doesn't look anything like a real horse. But that kid is so happy that you're drawing a horse. So you're telling me, go do this, go do that. My adult brain is telling me, you're being disrespectful. 
And then my heart is telling me there's nothing disrespectful about this. You're enjoying the house of God. You're actually just laughing and being happy in a holy place. So why could you not do this? There's nobody else here that we can be like, we can bother. Um, same thing. If you think about it, when we played and sang um, for Sue in that little church, remember when yes. we were playing Rolling in the oh, Deep? Oh yeah. You from our Rolling in the Deep. Did, did Susanna tell us to top us up? I, I, we were just like, remember we were just doing that. So we were playing a pop song in a church, singing out loud, being very emotional. So that could have been understood as very disrespectful for a lot of people there, but there was nothing disrespectful. We're just connecting to. Were we told to, were, were we told to turn that off actually? I'm actually just, I think, we were, uh, no, I think we were told. I don't, no? I don't think so. I think that we, it was kind of like, um, we, we sort of, we were going to do it. Somebody came in, so we stopped and then they left and then we did it. Ah, I think, okay. But I don't think we were told to stop it. I think it was more us being mindful of other people than being told ah, okay. not to do it. Cool, cool, cool. I remember that. Mm. That was fun. That was fun. But that's, but what I want to say is that it's, I think that a lot of, and I know that I, I always look back. So yeah. I, I'm just stubborn like that. That's just my brain that's just like, we're talking about play, so I need to bring it back. I need to bring it back. That's it. Um, <laughs> that's, like, that's the thing. But I think that part of it is it's, and, and that's why we can play with each other is because I think you judge something as playful when it's not serious, when it's not, when it could be not respectful of something. And for us, there's nothing more serious than the love we feel for each other and the respect we feel for each other. Therefore, there's, doesn't, we don't need to do anything to make it serious. We can be as silly and as playful as we want because there's never a lack of respect and there, because it's just pure joy, pure enjoyment and pure empowerment of each other and bringing the light out of each other. And that kind of energetic play is... There, that's why we can and we do have so much fun together. That same play is necessary in our practice. I see that uh, helping someone get through something, helping them, not mocking them, but literally helping them find their joy again through the difficulty is a form of encouragement and play. And um, because I think in the health world, everybody wants the analytical, what's, what's wrong with me? What's, 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 what's? And I realized um, why I'm so good at what I do is I give them a little piece of that, but the biggest piece I give them is helping them get safe in their body, in their mind, with their thoughts, with their pain, with their whatever the heck's going on, and reconnecting with joy. And the joy might be breathing or, or rocking or bouncing up and down or, or getting a little trampoline or singing. But all these limbic brain joy, uh, pain and pleasure center stimuli or re-stimuli. I think we naturally come together. We just start magnifying that with each other. Um, the creativity and the play goes wild. Yet in the healing world, 
we use it. We use it so powerfully. Mm-hmm.